It is the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. This is a special Saturday edition. Since I missed a couple days this last week, wanted to come back and give you podcast recapping game one of the Baton Rouge Super Regional and uh, previewing game two on Sunday. So LSU drops the opener of the Baton Rouge Super Regional to Florida State 6-4, to four, really in devastating fashion. The Tigers led 4 to nothing. They scored single runs in the second, third, fourth, and fifth. That would be it for the scoring for the Tigers, and the Seminoles would then come back and score on the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, ultimately to beat LSU 6-4. to four. So uh, we will recap Game 1, and we will preview Sunday's Game 2 as we continue here on the Locked on LSU podcast, where we are brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. We will take a quick step aside, come back, recap game one of the Baton Rouge Super Regional here on the Lockdown LSU podcast. Your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So a super disappointing day for the LSU baseball team as it was set up just about perfectly for LSU to take a one nothing lead in the Baton Rouge Super Regional. Uh, the weather held off and was warm but fantastic and clear. Uh, the box was absolutely jacked and people were pumped. Um, it was crowded, uh, phenomenal environment. At one point on the on the television broadcast, you could see Florida State's catcher uh, mouthing to the dugout. Uh, Nelson, the, uh, the the catcher, mouthing to the dugout. I can't hear you. I mean, he couldn't hear the the uh, the IFB the the earphone earpiece that he had in his helmet, uh, signaling and pitches. So, um, man, it it was prime for LSU to take a, a lead in this series and put a ton of pressure on Florida State, especially as the Tigers got up 4 to nothing, and Todd Peterson was fantastic in relief of Cole Henry. But it wasn't in the cards for the Tigers. So let's, I guess, just go chronologically here and walk through the game and, and how, it all, how it all played out. Uh, the big question that everybody has, of course, is what's up with Cole Henry. It was very obvious that his velocity was not what we had come to expect. Just a week ago, he was throwing 95 uh, his velo today was 89.91, and that's a red flag. Uh, Henry threw 41 pitches in his two innings of work, a pretty efficient first inning, but 30 pitches in his second inning. Uh, he walked three, struck out three, did not allow a hit or a run, but I think it was pretty clear that uh, that it just wasn't right for Henry, throwing a lot of pitches, missing spots, and that's probably one of those instances where Henry comes off the field and tells Maneri it's not right, and, and they pull him. Uh, so Todd Peterson would enter the ball game, and he would enter the ball game uh, in the third with a one nothing lead because LSU got a single run in the second. Uh, Daniel Cabrera got on base, and then a bloop single by Brant Broussard brought home Cabrera to give LSU the early lead. Uh, and then Peterson kind of took over, and he cruised, man. Four and a third. He allowed uh, three hits, two runs, but that did. That, those came off the bat of uh, 
of, well, it, while Trent Vetmeyer was in the game, we'll talk about that in a second, it was the three-run homer by Reese Albert of the two runs that Peterson allowed. But while Peterson was actually in the game, did not allow a run, he walked three and struck out four. Uh, Peterson, quite honestly, was fantastic. He took over for Henry after the second, and he threw up zeros in the third, fourth, and fifth. And then he pitched into the sixth before giving way to Trent Vetmeyer. And LSU did not allow a hit to Florida State until the sixth inning. So, man, it was, uh, forgive me, uh, Peterson pitched the sixth and then pitched into the seventh where he gave way to Vetmeyer. So it was, um, man, it was one of those days where LSU, they looked like the pitching staff was just dominating Florida State's offense and LSU offensively was doing enough. They chased Drew Parrish, the lefty starter from Florida State, after four and two-thirds, so he didn't make it through the fifth. Uh, LSU pushed across four runs against him. But when LSU looks back at this game in hindsight, what's going to kill them is when you think about in total of this game, Drew Parrish, the starter from Florida State, didn't make it out of the fifth. Florida State had just six hits in the ball game and committed three errors. LSU pitching did not allow a hit through the first five innings. You look at all of that, and when you look at the fact that what LSU typically has in their bullpen, that most of the time is going to add up to to a win for LSU. Uh, the percentages are going to be in LSU's favor. The problem is what plagued LSU early in the season plagued them again today, and that was 10 walks by the LSU pitching staff, three by Henry, um, three by Peterson, one each by Vetmeyer and Fontenot, and then two by Hess. And when you look at how Florida State got back into the ballgame, the first run they scored in the sixth got on via a walk. One of the runs that came home on the three-run homer in the seventh got on via the walk. The, uh, the, the sack fly run in the eighth that gave Florida State the lead got on base via the walk. Uh, that right there is your ball game. I mean, that's the difference in the ball game. In a six-four ball game, three of their runs that scored got on via the walk. So um, it's devastating for LSU when you were, aside from that factor of the game, the better team and probably should have won this ball game. The other part for LSU that they will kick themselves for are the missed opportunities because the single runs in the second, third, fourth, and fifth could have been much bigger innings. Uh, we mentioned that, and look, there were some beautiful baseball played by LSU. Uh, getting Cabrera on, over, and in by Brant Broussard. The single run LSU scored in the third. Josh Smith hits a double. He A beautiful piece of base running. He goes from second to third on a ground ball to the left side of the infield. Secondary lead, read it perfectly, got the third, and then came home when uh, Antoine Duplantis slapped a ground ball to the right side to give LSU a 2 to nothing lead. It, it was just working but then you look at what happened in the fourth inning for LSU and Saul Garza gets on base and uh, via the I'm sorry Florida State gave LSU a break Saul Garza hits a fly ball to center field uh, miscommunication the ball drops and so now you've got a runner on first and then Cade Beloso rips a double down the line so you've got second and third with nobody out and this is your chance up two to nothing and now with runners on second and third with nobody out to put up a crooked number and maybe put this one out of reach you know, Chase Drew Parrish even earlier in the game. And Saul Garza had missed second base. Florida State appeals to second base. They throw the ball to, to, to the bag, and the umpire rules Saul Garza out. And there was no argument from Garza or Paul Maneri, so very, and there was no replay. But very clearly, 
by their reaction, Garza missed the base. So that LSU scored one run in that inning and what could have been a monster inning otherwise. Um, Zach Watson got hung up between second and third on a Daniel Cabrera's uh, RBI single. It just, the Tigers had opportunities to swell their lead and didn't do it. And I think got somewhat complacent with a, a four-run lead. Uh, we can talk you know, late in the ball game about some other opportunities that LSU had. Certainly in the ninth inning, Chris Reed leads off with a single. So you got what you needed. You got the tying run coming to the plate. Uh, and it would have been Hal Hughes, but they decided to pinch hit, which I absolutely think was the right decision. And, they, and um, Flowers was on the mound for Florida State. He's a righty. So, of course, LSU is going to go for a left-handed bat off the bench. And you've got options there. Uh, you could have gone C.J. Willis. Uh, certainly Giovanni DiGiacomo is who, who got the call. Or you could have gone righty-righty matchup if you wanted to put Drew Bianco in the game because he's got a little more pop than the other guys. And DiGiacomo, on the first pitch, flies out the center field lazily. If you were trying to tie the game with one swing, then C.J. Willis should have been the guy there. You could have gone lefty-righty and told Willis, hey, hunt a fastball if you get it, turn on it. And either rip a double down the line or hit it over the fence. And, you know, DiGiacomo flies out. A beautiful A.B. by Zach Watson after to draw a walk. Uh, just a very patient A.B. So now you've got two guys on for Josh Smith. And Josh Smith swung at ball four. And you would have had the bases loaded and, and a one out. Instead, of you got two on with uh, with two outs for, uh, for Antoine Duplantis. And he popped up uh, to the catcher to end the ball game. So... A really, really disappointing uh, loss for LSU, and not just that you lost, but how you lost the game that you really were in command of. Um, the The other thing that I got, I guess we can delve into the pitching a little more. Uh, bringing in Trent Vetmeyer for Todd Peterson when they did was probably the right decision. Uh, Peterson was at 79 pitches. That's a career high. He had gone four and a third. He'd given up a single. It was probably one of those things where Maneri said, hey, anybody gets on, I'm coming to get you. So they did, and they brought in Trent Vettmeyer, who was spectacular last weekend in the regional. And I know some people are asking, you know, why wouldn't, why would you leave Vettmeyer in against Reese Albert when Vettmeyer's batting average against for left-handers is, is over 300? Well, I'm good with Vetmeyer pitching to Albert, and he kept pumping fastballs to him, and that was an 11 pitch at bat that Reese Albert homered on. Because if you're in that situation, if Vetmeyer throws a breaking pitch and misses, and you put Albert on, well, now you've got Drew Mendoza up, and Mendoza's the best home run hitter on the team. And now you've got the bases loaded for Mendoza, and one swing, now you're down, as opposed to one swing, and you're tied. Now, I'm not saying you want to give up the home run, but many times, you keep making pitches, and a a hitter will get himself out. So uh, part of me understands the strategy there because I certainly wouldn't want to walk Albert, load the bases to get to Mendoza. Um, was was Vetmeyer the right call? Yeah, I mean you you go you go to the guys you got, man. Um, and the disappointing part, even more so, is that even when the game was tied at four, I tweeted, I still think LSU is going to win this game because they've got Fontenot and Hess. So if it goes into extras, we're like. I like LSU's bullpen here to be able to extend this game and LSU offensively to break through. And ultimately, Fondo only went a third of an inning. He um, gave up a hit and a walk. Hess came in, um, you know, uh, and and ultimately allowed the sack fly, which um, which gave Florida State the lead. 
uh, and then allowed the homer to start uh, the ninth inning, which gave Florida State a two-run lead. So just a really disappointing day. And on top of all of that now, Henry look is clearly not right. Uh, Peterson is burned for the rest of the series. Vetmeyer threw 25 pitches, Fontenot just 16, and Hess threw 27. So it's hard for me to imagine bringing Hess back in game two after throwing 27 pitches. But it's also one of those things where if it's your season, you may have to go get him and say, give me an inning, give me a batter, give me something tomorrow uh, if it's there. So uh, as we, we will look ahead to game two, we'll knock out our, our final break here, come back and preview game two on Sunday out at Alec Box Stadium. And it's it's all on Landon Marceau's shoulders, as unfair as that is. But we'll get into game two uh, when we come back. It is the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Okay, uh, LSU loses game one of the Baton Rouge Super Regional. Let's look ahead to game two Sunday. It'll be Landon Marceau against uh, C.J. Van Eyck from Florida State. We've talked about Van Eyck. He's just been spectacular in his last seven starts. He's 7-0 with a 2.86 ERA. Uh, he's got 112 strikeouts thereabouts in 80-some-odd innings. He's been magnificent for Florida State. He is a righty, which bodes well for LSU in a left-handed dominant lineup. Um, but I really believe that Sunday's game two is going to be less about uh, C.J. Van Eyck or the LSU offense, and it's going to be more about Landon Marceau. And in in some respects, I I'm glad that it's Marceau who has the ball on Sunday because Marceau has been LSU's best pitcher over the last two months. He's been their most consistent pitcher, and he has looked like the guy that had so much promise when he signed with LSU and passed on $1.3 million. So if you needed to give the ball to one guy and say, hey, go save our season, today, Marceau's the guy that I would want to have the ball. So if you just focus on that side of things and less about LSU offensively trying to battle against Van Eyck, I think it just has to be a day where Marceau pitches you deep into the ball game because when you look at what options are available, uh, Peterson is obviously not available. Fontenot and Hess might be able to give you something, but more likely what I would what I would think you might see is let's see if Marceau can get you through seven or maybe eight. You know, I don't want to push it, but if he can be efficient like he has been or was at the end of the season. If Marceau can get you through seven or eight with a lead, then you can figure out who feels good. If it's Fontenot or Hess and you go to him, if Marceau exits somewhere around the sixth, then you give the ball to Matt Beck and see what Beck can give you. And then if you can get a lead at the end of the ball game, Hess, Fontenot, whatever it may be. Mikhail Hilliard only threw eight pitches, so he's available again. Um, and after that, I don't know that there are arms in the bullpen that you're eager to get to. You, know, you have some guys down there that, that could pitch for you, but it's not a situation like in the SEC tournament where you just need guys to go eat up innings. This is this is the season. If you lose, it's over. So the the other part of the thing for, for Marceau and for Palmineri as he manages the game on Sunday, you, know, you keep in mind if, if you get in trouble early, you don't have the luxury of being patient. You don't have the luxury of waiting to see if he can work himself out of a jam. It's your season. If he's on the ropes, you got to go get him and find someone who can get outs for you. So it's an unfair spot to put Landon Marceau as a true freshman, but it's the reality of the situation. LSU, their season is on Landon Marceau's shoulders 
on on Sunday. And if Marceau can go get a win, then uh, I, I really like LSU's chances in in a game three on Monday, which we can talk about. Um, I, I also it is worth noting, and we talked about this on uh, on after further review on Friday. I thought this game this series would ultimately go three games because. LSU just didn't sweep teams this year. Uh, and they didn't have to sweep, right? They just had to win two. And theoretically, they could have won the first two. But that's just not something LSU did this year. They swept Kentucky in the first SEC weekend, but didn't sweep another weekend all season long. So it's kind of one of those things where this kind of falls in line with what LSU did all season long. They lose the first game, come back, win the second, and play a rubber match on Sunday. It's they. If you just just look back to the conference schedule, uh, after sweeping Kentucky, they went to Georgia where they won game one, lost game two, and then lost the rubber match. And then they went to Mississippi State and they lost game one in a heartbreaker on a Thursday night. And then they won game two on the back of Cole Henry. And then they dominated game three, eleven to two, and Eric Walker was magnificent. Uh, the Texas A&M series. They won game one. They lost game two to Asa Lacey. They came back and they won the rubber match. Um, you know, in Up in Columbia against Missouri. It was the wild game where Zach Hess only went, you know, through like 13 pitches and he strained his groin. And LSU would win that game in extras. But then Sikama outdueled Henry in game two. And then LSU lost game three because Walker wasn't sharp. The Florida series. LSU lost game one on a Thursday night where they were just embarrassed. And Mikhail Hilliard uh, got shelled. They come back and they dominate game two, 13 to one behind Cole Henry. And then they dominate game three, 11 to two. So that was kind of the way it went. The Alabama series, shockingly, LSU lost game one, came back and won games two and three. Um, You see the Ole Miss series, they won game one, they lost game two, and they were on the ropes in game three. They hit the back-to-back-to-back homers to tie it. And then ultimately they lose in 10, 19 to 15. But yeah, the Arkansas series, they, they lost the first two and then won the, the last in the finale against Auburn. And they won the first two and then just had a really disappointing blown save in Game 3 when Hess gave up the homer. But my point is, all season long, this has been LSU's MO. Uh, they haven't gone in and just taken control of a series from jump and not let up uh, after the, the Kentucky series, which was the SEC opener. So LSU is in a very familiar spot. And when you look back at the series where they lost game one, you know, in conference play, the only one where they lost game one in conference play and didn't come back to win game two uh, would have been the Arkansas series. Every other time in conference play where they lost game one, they were able to come back and win game two. So I like LSU's chances to win game two behind Landon Marceau. I like the fact that it's going to be an evening game. The box should be electric again. Something else that I don't think should be underestimated is the fact that Florida State had three errors, and there were some routine plays. A ground ball to second uh, by Garza that they booted. Actually booted two. Uh, the, the fly ball to center was Garza as well that they uh, that they dropped. So, I mean, Florida State had three errors on the day. There was a costly, what could have been a costly pass ball. I, I think defensively, Florida State is a little shaky from what we've seen. The, the variable, and we talk about it often in baseball, momentum in baseball is only as good as your next day starting pitcher. And Florida State has an awesome one going on Sunday with C.J. Van Eyck. So if LSU can touch up Van Eyck and put some runs on the board, I love their chance behind Landon Marceau because there's nobody else I'd rather have the ball. And if it gets to a game three, uh, w- which we'll talk about then on, on Monday if need be, but 
I love LSU's chances in a game three if it gets there. But you got to have an awesome day from Landon Marceau. All right, it is the Locked on LSU podcast special edition here on a Saturday after game one of the Baton Rouge Super Regional where the Tigers fall six to four. We appreciate you for listening. As always, you can listen on the new Himalaya podcast app. Podcasting is all about customization. Whatever of the thousands of podcasts that you listen to, they're all there on the Himalaya podcast app. So download it for free in your iTunes or Google Play store. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the Locked on LSU podcast. Okay, that's going to do it for the special edition of Locked on LSU. We'll see you on Monday, your team every day.